0: There's a lot of things in in Stephen King's books, in the sort of early to mid-80s, where you're like, probably shouldn't have written so many words whilst doing that much cocaine. Yeah.
1: Hello and welcome to the OMCAST. My name is Dom, as one half of the OMCAST, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hi... Uh, so we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots, and we understand that sometimes life gets in the way and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to discuss our thoughts on the highs and lows of some of the biggest franchises in cinema history before we find out if the new one is worth seeing. This week, we're talking about the original 1990 TV miniseries, It, starring Tim Curry, Richard Thomas and John Ritter. Yeah. I didn't realise it was John Ritter until like, like yeah. he just... he had the first cover of scenes and then it suddenly clicks Wait a minute, is that the the dad from Eight Simple Rules? Oh, it is. Oh. And then he's like, oh, because if anyone doesn't know, that John Ritter, the actor, um, sadly died quite young. Um, like, whilst he was making that sitcom, made Simple Rules. Yeah. And they actually wrote him out of the show, and it was a whole thing. And
0: that's kind of like what he's known for now. For, yeah. Which is for sad. dying. He's known for dying. Um, he also plays um, JD's dad in Scrubs. Yes, he, he does. Written out in a very similar way. Yeah,
1: no, he does, yeah. Um, but so, there are a couple of actors you'll recognize in this.
0: Yeah. Um, but not many,
1: because this is a TV movie made in 1990. Yeah. And everything about it screams TV movie. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> TV
0: miniseries, series, TV mini not movie.
1: Sorry, yeah, mini series. So it was their two hour and a half, yeah, parts. Part one they were and part done in two. like
0: over like four days or something. If I remember, I, I
1: thought it was part one and part two, and they were just consecutive nights.
0: No, the whole thing was done consecutively across a week. I think okay, but um,
1: but it, it equates to about three hours worth of yeah footage. Um, it's and not now a good time. It's yeah, it's long. And so now, if you want to watch it, so we both watched it. I think via um, Amazon Prime. Yes. And if you get it on there, it's just a three-hour cut. It's not done yeah. like a TV show where there are episodes. It is literally just a three-hour movie. Um, but yeah, the the it's spliced together, and you can tell it used to be on TV. Like sometimes it just ran, like scenes just ran to the end, <laughs> yeah. and then ran the start <laughs> up again. And it's just clearly okay. There was an ad break there. There was
0: yeah. <laughs> no one's bothered to re-edit this. They've just gone, oh, just shove it out, just <laughs> shove it all in, take out the ads, and just put it all together. Because there are there are literal fade out. Like fade to black moments, fade back in from from black moments, yeah, which is normally associated with American television of the time, yeah. But there's some well, even now, but at the same time, it's just the 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 quality of it. It's quite bad, yeah. Well, I don't know.
1: There there are certain parts of it where like the quality does jump up, and we'll talk about it. But before we get too into the text of the film itself, you need to talk about your relationship with it because you've got a very. This is the first time I've ever seen this version of it. So I'm completely new to this, and it was, you know, I had fun with it. You've got a different stance, (laughs) to say the least. Yep. So tell us the story.
0: When did you see it? So (laughs) it would have been in the. It would have been like mid '90s, and this is where we're going to have to do like one of those, um, like jingly.
1: Flashback <laughs> moments. now <laughs> yeah. do it like they do in this movie—just aggressive flashbacks. It's the only way I can describe them—is aggressive flashbacks. Georgie, and he's like zooms in on his face and then
0: fades out. Oh, fuck! Was a flashback okay? Um, <laughs> but uh, so basically, when I was younger, my brothers and my cousins and I used to hang out every weekend. Um, we were all very close. Uh, there was a s- fairly significant age gap between me and my next up the line, which often meant I was either left behind or tortured. Yeah. Uh, this happened to be one of those ones where I was tortured. Right. Um, I was locked in a room whilst it was playing and developed a fairly serious phobia of clowns. How old were we? Probably must have been about nine. Okay. Maybe Ten. Sort a fairly serious phobia of clowns. I still have very clear recollections of the nightmares that I used to have about a clown coming out of a drain. Whilst whilst I would have to go in the shower, which also put me off showering for years as well. Fucking hell, really, I was frightened wow. to go in the shower because wow. there'd be a fucking clown in there, and the <laughs> clown was going to kill me and pull me down a, down a drain, and I'd die because the clown was there. And yeah. Honestly, and I'm not overstating this in any way, that film genuinely fucking traumatised me. (laughs) To the point that you and I, before we started this podcast, you and I were friends and we'd talk about films and you said, I'd really like to see it. And I was like, fuck you. (laughs) You punched me. You punched me that time. (laughs) I'm not proud of it. I've been in fight with a clown. Because I was just like, back fuck off. I'm not comfortable around clowns. And okay. the guy didn't. And I ended up having a fight with the clown. It's not my, not my proudest moment. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So if you're out there, clown guy, not sorry. You're a cunt.
1: Okay, fair enough. I mean, yeah, I... That makes perfect sense. <laughs> Honestly, all, everything you said and you, you, is not a unique thing. I'm sure there's plenty of people who were fucking terrified by this movie mm-hmm. and Tim Curry's
0: Pennywise mm-hmm. in this film. And he is fucking freaky. To, to, and genuinely to the point that I'm now 34 years old. And have trouble, be still to this day, have trouble being around clowns. And I could barely watch that film. Yeah. Any time there was a point that he was appearing on screen, I would cover it. My phone would go in the way. <laughs> my book would go in the way. My laptop would go in the way. Something would go in the way so I could hear it mm. because it's inescapably Tim Curry's voice. Yeah, But at the same time, I still can't look at it. Yeah. See, I had a very opposite reaction to it.
1: So basically for me... I, I really, the first version of it that I ever saw was the new one, the mm-hmm. the 2017 one with uh, Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård playing Pennywise and that bunch of kids and that whole thing. So now going back and watching this one for the first time this week, I'm like comp- I'm watching for the Pennywise stuff because I'm looking to try and compare and see what's different. What's it's kind of like yeah. again? You think of it like the Joker almost in a way. It's like who did a different interpretation of yeah. it. And is and it is very similar in terms of you know their clown characters. One was eighty nine and ninety, and they're very comparable. And obviously the material is exactly the same, and you have certain scenes that are exactly the same. Um, but I think yeah, Tim Curry, as much as he is scary, I get that he is by far the best thing about this three thing. Oh god, movie. yeah, like he every time it like I had the opposite reaction to you whenever he turned up on screen. Whenever he turned up on screen for me, I was like transfixed by it mm-hmm. because it's not only not only his performance but also i feel like the filmmaking sort of jumps up a notch yeah when he turns up and they get to do some of his like the visions that the kids have when they see the yeah. clown like the the one that really stands out that i remember is um the, the shower scene yeah with eddie and it's all the shit he's having the shower in the um in the school gymnasium and then suddenly all the shower heads start coming out from the walls and then they have this weird claymation thing where Pennywise pulls himself
0: out of the it's stop motion. Yeah, it's like
1: stop motion, but like that is far more visually interesting and like and innovative and cool to look at than anything else in the movie. Because the yeah. other two and a half hours is just trash, bad actors acting badly. Yeah, in cheap sets, like
0: just like saying their lines and just and it's just like. Painful to watch at some points. This genuinely, when I was watching this, there were points, and I was like, because because of like you say, because of how poorly made it is, and because of how shit everything is in it, (laughs) it came across like a really just really cheap, like kids show. Yeah, and because it was like between adults and kids, it it came across as like like a Goosebumps, um, sort of are you afraid of the dark? Yeah, sort of vibe to it. But then every now and again somebody swears and you're like, <laughs> Yeah, this is supposed to be an adult film. Yeah, but
1: that's the thing, like every now and then someone swears.
0: Well or... not an adult film, but yeah. Uh, adults.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, like like you say, there's either a swear word or something, or or it's one of the like horrific scenes. Yeah, like another one where like I think of is the scene where the, all the adults all get back together again and they're in the Chinese restaurant and then all their <laughs> um, fortune cookies. Yeah. And that's genuinely horrific, some of that shit. Yeah. Like, he's got, like, the, that fetus fucking, like... The, um, the bird. Bird. And then there's one of them that bursts open and there's an eye inside it. Yeah. And shit like that. And again, that's when they're being creative and cool and they're using, like, practical effects mm-hmm. and everything else around that is just people talking and not doing it very well,
0: <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, and that's the thing. And, like, one thing that really got to me about this is that there are some people in there that are genuinely quite good actors. Yeah. Like you say, you've got like Ritter, you've got Annette O'Toole, you've got the guy, um fuck, I've forgotten his name now. The guy that played fucking John Boy Walton from the Waltons. But yeah. like and then like the kids as well. Seth Green is, Seth
1: Green, I think, is the best by a Mile. And
0: well, then, when
1: he when he turns up, so Seth Green, for those of you that he's the guy who's in like Austin Powers and he did loads of voices
0: on um He's the guy behind Robot Chicken, Robot Chicken yeah. And yes. so, and he
1: like he turns up, and he's like halfway through as well. Like, the first one, like he does not he's not in it for ages. And then suddenly yeah. he just turns up, and the minute he turns up, there's suddenly there's so much more energy on screen. Yeah, he just lifts all the
0: kids, and just like it's quite jarring as yeah. well because it's it's the 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 caliber difference yeah. between anybody else that's on screen and him at the time. Yeah. Comes across as really, really jarring. And you can
1: tell, like, if you could, like, even if we didn't know anything, if you were to go back with no prior knowledge at all and go, right, out of all these kids, which one's going to be, like, no, well
0: known in the future? You'd pick him out easily. Um, He's got more energy than anybody. He's got more presence than anybody. He delivers things in a different way. He's got, well, he's got presence.
1: He's five years older than the rest of them. (laughs) And the the ages are all over the place because I swear to God that Eddie Kasparak is like six.
0: Like what well that's yeah because that's the thing like i mean you're reading the book at the moment eddie yeah. is the one that's always mistaken for being like a young young child yeah rather than like an 11 year old or whatever he is yeah um but yeah fuck it is it is a bit of a slug and i mean to sort of for, for anybody that's not aware uh it feels a bit strange but for anybody that's not aware of the story it's it's quite complicated as well. Ah, uh, kind of it is, but like it's, the, but it's, this, this not so much. The book and the book is significantly more complicated. Yeah,
1: but I think what's interesting about the way they've done it in this one, as opposed to because a lot of what we're going to be doing here is comparing it to the new version, which yeah. is going to be this two part movie, yeah. of which we've seen one and the new one's coming in a couple of weeks' time. But what they've done, what they did with the nineteen ninety version, is they actually had it follow the book a little bit more closely in that it cuts between the adults and the kids yeah, and having flashbacks. And so you see adult Bill and then he flashes back and it's a long extended flashback of what happened to his little brother. Yeah, Whereas with the 2017 and 2019 versions, the 17 one, had, there were no adults in it at all. It was just mm-hmm. entirely set in the 1980s and it was about the kids and their experience yeah. and it was linear. Whereas this jumps back and forth, which is close to the book, but I don't know if it has good i think i don't know if it's yeah. better or not so
0: <laughs> the so what happens with this is essentially the town of derry is being in derry maine where or, mike, or as mike Hanlon calls it Derry, Derry, dury crossing the road
1: there's something there's something terribly wrong in dury
0: yeah interestingly the guy that plays adult mike Hanlon is the father in sister sister the show from is Nickelodeon.
1: He? i assume he just like went Disappeared off the face of the
0: earth. They all did. (laughs) Apart from a who absorbed all their powers and ended up on 656,000 seasons of Smallville.
1: Yeah, and also uh, the (laughs) Punisher.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was a thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But, yeah, anyway, so essentially this town of Derry in Maine is being terrorised by a series of child murders. And... um, bill are sort of almost main character yeah for the, in the well especially in the book he's one of the point of view characters he's arguably the lead in the 2017 version of it mm-hmm. but in this one he's just buried amongst the sea of um mediocrity yeah. um but yeah it's, it's about this town being terrorized by this presence that takes the form of a clown and can change forms based on people's fears uh and then it goes on, and it's about them trying to defeat this evil that exists. Yeah, so it's about it's basically all these kids in this one summer in the 1950s
1: have different visions of it, of this monster, and mm. it appears to them in different ways depending on what scares them. Um, and then eventually they all share their stories, realize that it's going on, and decide to sort of come together to try and beat him. And then, 30 years later. It seems that the thing has come back, more kids are starting to go missing, and they decide to all come back together again, the seven kids, and defeat him, and and try
0: and fix the problem. That's the basic story. Yeah. And Um, then... So to get sort of like... I don't want to get too complicated about it, but there isn't really that much to say about it, so I think we should get more into depth about this one here. So Mm. the way that the three work... So the novel... Is very, very big. Yeah. It's very thick. It's like 1,300 pages. Yeah, I'm about a
1: third of the way through it now. So yeah. I'm tr- I'm like, at the moment, my entire life is being taken up by it. Yeah. Like, I feel like all I'm doing is either watching a version of it or listening to a version of it or yeah. reading a version of it. So I know like inside out. I can't yeah. remember if I'd seen that or not. But yeah, I'm about a third of the way through it and it is mm-hmm. a fucking massive book.
0: It is a massive <sighs> book and it is a fucking slog. But I can genuinely say without any sense of snobbery or anything whatsoever, it is genuinely one of my favourite books. Yeah. Like, ever. Yeah. I've read it probably half a dozen times. Mm. I've listened to the audio book probably just as many. Um, But, yeah, I absolutely love it. And the way that the, the book works in a sort of step-by-step, hand-in-hand. Yeah. So chapter one will be in the 50s, chapter two will be in the 80s. Then there'll be an interspersal, then it'll be back, and it will flip towards, as it goes through, yeah, And it does so throughout the entirety of the book, up until the climax, right at the end. Yeah. But it doesn't do that with the miniseries.
1: No, the miniseries has like two climaxes, essentially. So you have the kids going to the sewer to fight Pennywise at the end of part one, and then you have the adults going to the sewer to fight Pennywise at the end of part two, and it's just that everything sort of replicates again. Obviously, there are some bumps and scrapes along the way. And some of the characters, not all the characters make it to that final confrontation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um And they, and you know, people <laughs> expire, expire along the way. Um But yeah, they, they have a, this sort of, you know, part one, part two relationship, but I feel like the part one to, I think the first half with the kids is stronger
0: than the second half. Yeah. because And, and that's the thing. And I think, is it, Probably because it's easier to forgive bad acting if you're a child. That's part of it. And part of it is, I feel, that well, for
1: me anyway, there is more Pennywise in the first half. Yeah. And also when the confrontation comes at the end of one, they're confronting Pennywise. They're confronting Tim Curry. And he's like snarling at him, He has some great lines like, oh, it's so much better when you're all afraid. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. Whereas when they confront the villain at the end of the second one, it's not Tim Curry. Instead, all that great work that Tim Curry's done. like if you're watching it as a three hour movie, Tim Curry's been this amazing bloody like antagonist all the way through. And it gets to the end and he's not there. It's just this giant weird monster crab thing. Spider. Uh, what the fuck is it? And it's just and it's like and it's really, really bad. It like it looks like sub Ray Harryhausen, like the worst bit yeah. of like CG, like not even CG, stop motion. But weird it's like, shit. yeah, it's
0: a combination of like marionette and stop motion and really, really poorly rendered like composite shots. It's just, it's really bad.
1: And like, there are so many bits in that bit at the end that are just like, huh? Like the set itself looks like it reminded me of the, um, we did a escape room in, oh, yeah. in Southampton. It's like, are they actually in an escape room behind a bowling alley right now? Because that's what it looks like. That's where we were. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like Literally, like the the rocks and the skulls and everything, it looks so shit and fake. And then they look up and there's this weird matte painting of all these people hanging in a thread, like a spider. Yeah. And it's just like, that's a, that's a weird composite thing they've just thrown in there. That, that's very strange. And yeah, it's because of that ending and the way it sort of just all falls in yeah. on itself at the end. It kind of ruined the second half for me a little bit. And the fact that the actors are all terrible. They are really particularly bad. Um like like I mean, let's get into the characters a little bit. I mean like people like um So the guy who was originally Seth Green as the kid is now um is Richie Toja. Yeah. And Richie Toja is meant to be the funny guy. He's meant to be some sort yeah. of like
0: comic. Isn't... Really funny, really charismatic, he's really interesting. People really enjoy him, and he's supposed to be this sort of semi... Well, like, mid-level successful radio jockey. Yeah. That's
1: that's what's interesting. Like, yeah, again, in the book, he's a radio guy. In the film, or in the 90 version, he's on TV. Yeah. Which is a slightly different kettle of fish, because he's meant to be a guy who does voices. Yeah. Doing voices is his thing, so it makes sense that he would go on the radio, but I guess they've got to change it up. But anyway he's really just fucking unlikable. He's just an arsehole. He's an arsehole. He keeps shouting about how he wants to go home and doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And he's just, he's like, he's meant to be like the endearing, funny guy, but there's nothing likable about him. And it's partly to do with the script, but it's also to do with the guy's performance. Yeah. (sighs) But also
0: like the woefully missed cast, because like you look at Seth Green as a 15 year old in this, and then you look at the guy that's playing the Forty-year-old version, yeah. and you go. Well, that's fucking silly, isn't it? Not a lot of them don't no. line
1: up properly. I and mean, they've done a much better job of that, even just from the trailers and stuff. They've done a much better job of that in this next version. Yeah, like like having people like um Jessica Chastain play James the older McAvoy, version. James McAvoy is like yeah yeah you're nailing it with that stuff. But then yeah, with these ones, not so much. I mean, they did alright with Bill. I think they did that. <laughs> the, yeah. He looks okay. I don't understand well, like Beverly, like it makes me laugh Beverly because they keep getting, like they have the January Embers um oh, yeah. postcard thing. And yet she has brown hair. Yeah. The whole in no, both probably, parts. In both versions of it. She doesn't have like red she's meant to be like a stunning redhead type thing, but yeah. she's not. Like <laughs>
0: No, not not at all.
1: Um and yeah, she's she's terrible. And like oh, there are so many weird things going on in this movie. Like, the, the, it's the weirdness that freaks me out with it most. Like, right, particularly around... There's a couple of scenes with women that freak me out. So Beverly, mm-hmm. she has this whole thing with her abusive husband. Yeah. Which is fucking awful to watch, but it's another example of just awful exposition just thrown out. Yeah. Because he goes, oh, you, you know, you've forgotten your lessons. It's been too uh. long since last time. So he has to spell it out to everybody.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I see The other one that makes me laugh is when... <laughs> when um. Ben is with this woman and he goes, you know, I used to be F.A.T. Oh, I like, God. I like, you know, bet your bird, bet, bet your fern I was. We used to say that. We used to say bet your fern. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about?
0: You're a serial killer. I'm not sure I understand.
1: Neither do I, Siri. Neither do I.
0: <laughs> but like, anyway, yeah, no, the scenes of the but, women are fucking whipped. So, with all due respect <laughs> to uh, the, his memory, if you're going to get somebody that is particularly overweight, and then you're going to say everyone's going to be astonished by how slim he is now, which is what one thing that they do in the book as well. Yeah. Which is odd. Like, and I give them all the credit. Like, line for line, the screenplay of this is, is so close to the book. Yeah. But then you put... And, Again, I mean this in the most respectful way possible. You don't get someone that's a little bit chubby like John it's like he's not even chubby at this point as well.
1: Like Because we know him as like the sitcom dad type thing. Yeah, there he's a little bit chubby. In this, he's like, but he's just like sort of well-built. Like just chubby. a normal chubby norm, guy. He's, he's not normal, in great shape. No, he's not. Whereas I've, I can't remember the name of the guy who's doing it now, but he's ridiculous like catalogue model. Yeah. And that's going to be the whole shock of it being yeah. that oh, this little pudgy kid has now turned into
0: this absolute Adonis. Yeah, and it's like the Jerry O'Connell effect between, like, yeah. Stand By Me and then, like, Scream 2, for example. Yeah. But, yeah, so is.
1: No, uh, but that's weird. But, um, yeah, it's just some really weird stuff in it. And it's all, like, this crowbarred weird exposition put in there. And then the other things, like, there are things they never address. So, like, Beverly and yeah. her relationship with all the boys... Which I know is a whole thing in the book, and we don't necessarily mm. need to talk about that. But in this film, it's really fucking strange. It's really fucking strange. So she like she turns up when they all get back together again as adults, and she goes, Look at all these handsome men, then faints, mm. then wakes up and immediately kisses Richie. Yeah. Like on the lips, and it's like, it's a little bit weird, but okay, alright, fine. Then she goes around and hugs everybody, then she sees Bill. Walks over and just full on like just gets off with him like full on like yeah, slong, and to a point where it cuts to see Mike's reaction because they're a little bit uncomfortable about it, and then it's never addressed ever again. No, nope. they like then after that they have the the conversation about oh, who's married, who isn't, and they're like staring longingly at each other across the table, <laughs> and then they, again never addressed. And then there's the whole thing with her and Ben where she goes, "I knew it was you who wrote the poem," yeah. and then and then they they ride off into the sunset together. But it's like, what the fuck is going on here? It's really strange. It is
0: bizarre. Because, so, one thing I would say about the book is that, so there is a definite sort of relationship triangle between Bev, Bill, and Ben. Yeah. And... um it's one of those things where you're like, okay, so this is like them coming into like adolescence, and then there's okay, yeah, she's she does sort of sort of have a love for Ben because she sort of recognizes like his spirit and his soul and his heart, and blah 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 yeah. blah. But she's really into Bill because he's the strong, he's the leader, he's yeah, the one the, that leads from the front. Bill's
1: an interesting character because he, yeah, he's he's meant to be the leader and the one they all look up to and they all love. And then there's also this whole thing about him having this stutter. Yeah. Throughout the whole thing, and it's kind of this, like they all idolise Bill, mm. for, 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 and I don't quite get why yet. Maybe I'm just I'm reading the book at the moment, and I haven't yeah. quite like they all like you hear from Richie's point of view. And it's like Bill was the best of them. God, I wish I could be like Bill. Yeah. And I like, was like, but why though? What what makes him so much better no. than everyone else? I don't understand.
0: Yeah, um, and that's the th- the thing is, it's I don't want to spoil too much of the book no. for you, but at the same time, like. There is this thing because Bill is always the one that rallies everyone together. Yeah, yeah, Bill's the one that can sort of stand there and when, and when they say, you know, hey, Bill, you don't always stutter. This is these, yeah. these are like these really driving moments. Yeah, when he's telling everyone, when he's taking charge. And, yeah, yeah. And like, so he's got this presence and like can sort of command a room, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they don't really do anything about it with this. They no. sort of use a couple of expository lines. Whereas in the twenty, well, we'll get to that in the, in, the, in that episode. Next week, yeah. But but in the book, yeah, it goes into a lot more depth, and you see his leadership, and you see how he sort of pulls everyone together and sort of brings everything up, yeah. And how everyone's got like this respect for him. I mean, they
1: do they do have a couple of moments in this. I like the um, the bit, yeah, where he's helped me because it makes it it's personal for him because he lost his brother, yeah. And that's one of the most iconic scenes right at the very beginning, which I'm sure
0: fucked you up. Is uh, Georgie yeah. and um, Pennywise I d- in the drain? Yeah, I don't really no. Remember so much about that bit. The main thing that really stuck with me is, um, is the the bathroom scene. Mm. But it was the real thing that got yeah. me and was just fucked me over.
1: Um, but yeah,
0: that's Bill. <laughs> we talked about Richie. We talked about. But one of the things that I would say about Richie as well is that there are flashes of, like, the charisma. And, like, as much as Seth Green is putting in the best performance of this film, Mm. there are still points in there where you're like, all right. Yeah. Come on, man. Like, you're better than... You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And you've seen, like, him be great earlier on and then it just drops off and then it picks up and then it drops off and then it picks up. And I think... It is a bit disappointing, but again, saying about the, like the old one, it's just fuck me. That guy was bad. Yeah. He's an arsehole, got no presence to him whatsoever. They're all bad. And like the, the old. constantly
1: shouting at people. Yeah. The, the, like the older Eddie is bad as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like he's like really like, <laughs> and like. And you know what? Shrinking we, violent. We've seen him in something recently as well, which I didn't realise until it finally clicked the other, the other day. Yeah. I looked yeah. him up on IMDb. But it was a film we reviewed about two weeks ago. Okay. He was Calvin Candy's lawyer.
0: Fucking hell. That's him.
1: Was he really? That's who he is, yeah. He's the guy who makes out the receipt and is like Calvin Candy's lawyer man. That is the guy who plays the adult version of Eddie Kasprach in this. Well, I'll be dang. So that's what happened to him. Um, He disappeared for however many years and Tarantino brought him out of the woodwork for a little bit part and then fucked him off again. Um, So that's him. Bill is just... Fucking awful. He's the that like when I first watched it, and we just had this scene <laughs> where well, they introduce him and he sat at his typewriter. And he's then it's like his internal monologue. Like, yeah, he was across the the misty plane and then he, he buttons his coat, and then something comes out, and then like, like it's all going on his head. And then he just goes, Yeah, yeah, like that, because he knows <laughs> that because he's like so impressed with his own writing. That, yeah, that's good. Oh yeah, yeah. But he's like—he's the most nineties man I've ever seen in my life. He's oh, got God, yeah. he's got a ponytail. He's got like his like shirt tucked into his stone jeans, and he's and these giant glasses, and he's just the worst. Although I still think, forget all the um, main cast members—the Lucky Seven, as they're called in this, rather than Losers Club for some reason—and forget all the kids. The worst actor in the entire thing is Audra fuck his wife
0: forgot she was even in it
1: oh my god she's fucking awful she's the worst bill what's going on you must tell me bill why are you stuttering bill bill this is crazy it's crazy it's crazy bill it's crazy i don't know how to answer the phone unless it's greco <laughs> and then i think possibly the creepiest and most off-putting scene in the whole thing mm. outside of tim curry is the scene with greco the producer
0: uh isn't yeah, he's like this really greasy guy, right? yeah, and like, like, he's
1: doing some weird like I think he's trying to do an impression of Anthony Hopkins or something, and like at one point he talks about no don't turn don't turn a friend into a violent enemy that could crucify you at any cost, like that is like. What the fuck? Who wrote that? Who wrote that for him to say? That's fucking awful. Like, like a violent enemy who could crucify you at any cost. Jesus. That's what he says to her about her wanting to go and go after her husband because they're making a movie and she can't leave the set. Don't yeah. even think about leaving. Don't turn a, a friend into a violent enemy. That's what he says to her. Ugh. Like that is arguably like more disturbing and like fucked up than anything else
0: no that was i wasn't paying attention during that bit clearly, clearly not <laughs> but fucking hell that was awful um but yeah i just didn't like the thing is like there's so much of this that is without again getting into too much spoilers there is so much of this that is so so close to the book mm. that you sort of Really, sort of buy into it, and you're like, "This, okay, yeah, they're doing it, they're going with this, they're really sort of getting involved." But then you just go, "Actually, yeah, this is a thousand page book, and this is a three hour film. Mm. Fuck my life if I'm going to get to finish it." Yeah, but I have to because I do a podcast about it.
1: <laughs> it just keeps going. It just and like, keeps going. That's the thing, and, like, and I was saying to you, like the Pennywise. Much as he's the most disturbing, he's the best thing about it, and the most entertaining thing about yeah. it, but he only has like less than twenty minutes worth of screen time yeah in three hours, and you can tell yeah, and it's just it's it makes it tough to watch for me because the the rest of them are as engaging
0: as they need to be no absolutely not, and it's but also one of the one of the worst things that I think the big for me personally, the biggest failure of this whole thing is the lack of tension, yeah, because the book for example, the scene in the library when they're all together as adults. Yeah. That moment is really, really powerful because when the fridge opens and what is in the fridge um, happens, Mike is not telling anyone. Mike doesn't tell anyone what he sees. Okay. So Mike is like holding this all it and yeah. hold it and trying to sort of like keep calm about it. And it's not the first time it's happened to him. And he doesn't know, like he kind of knows what's going on, but he doesn't. And then people gradually start to catch on yeah. and things start happening. Okay, But in this, it's done in just such a woeful way. That's the thing. There are, just,
1: there are so many things and that's a prime example of it where things that are meant to be dramatic or, or whatever, like just, I laugh at them. Yeah. Like I just, I was just finding funny. It's just like, this is ridiculous. Like, anything involving the bike, <laughs> anything involving um, Silver, particularly when they're adults, yeah. is fucking hilarious because it's this grown man with <laughs> just like peddling around. And like, there's this like montage where like grown up Bill and grown up um, Mike are just going around fooling around on his bike. And it's just it's like, it's weird. so cringy. It's, it's so like
0: cringy. something out of Step Brothers. It is. It's like. <laughs>
1: And then there's the, the scene right at the very end of the movie, which is again oh, meant God. to be this like like lift and that's the thing you end you end with. Bill Dembro races the <laughs> devil. Come on, beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it, Audra, beat it. And it's like who gives a fuck about Audra?
0: He clearly fucking doesn't.
1: He never mentioned the fact that he was married at any point. Like no. then, at one point when she turns up and Pennywise calls her Mrs. Dembro.
0: Yeah. So it's like, yeah, she's clearly meant to be keep going in the book. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because, yeah, it's fucked. But like you say, there are these moments which are just completely reduced. And there's like the scene in the scene where Eddie's confronted by the pharmacist, young Eddie, and he's told like, and I mean, that is almost verbatim, word for word, what happens in the book. Eddie is told that the asthma inhaler that he has is Hydrox. Yeah. it's hydrox spray to control his asthma. And the problem is, is his mother has, I don't know, like Munchausen by proxy or something. And so she is making her son ill or is convinced that her son is always ill. Yeah. To the point that Eddie has to go and get this prescription. The pharmacist says, listen, you're old enough now. And like to realize that this isn't real, which causes Eddie to have a heart, uh, have an asthma attack. Yeah. And again, in the book, that's a really powerful moment because this is Eddie like having this realization that, uh, and as is almost the entirety of the theme of the book, these children crossing over into adulthood and like having these things happen to them that are having like awful responsibilities and issues that they shouldn't have any part of being thrust upon them. Mm. But in this, it's just like he's just shaking the old man. He's like, Hey, Mr. Pharmacist, do you remember me? I'm Eddie, and you told yeah. me that the Hydrox and the spray and the. And the. And it's just like, it's just so reductive.
1: Yeah. It's the, yeah, they don't get any of the weight of it behind it. No. It's all just like, it's like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. Yeah. And then you go over there and stay that line. And there's so many things, like, there's bits, even like the staging of it just feels so like amateurish. But mm. like there are multiple moments where you can tell that there are people who are say they're lined and then have to stay where they are. So they wait for someone to, <laughs> yeah. to like their queue. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a few that I remember like making note of. One of them is when Bill, um, see, it has the, the book where it starts bleeding and, George yeah. it, and he throws it across the room and he goes, ah, ah, and then his mom and dad come in, but he yeah. doesn't move. He like, he's terrified, but he doesn't move anyway. He has mm-hmm. to stay on his, on his spot. That, yeah, otherwise, he's, got his mark. he's got he's got to stay on his mark, otherwise he'll be out of frame. Then, another one I really like is when Bev does the bit where she walks up to Ben and says, oh, What, you're gonna stand there all day? And then because like presumably the, the point was he was in the way and he, she had to get past him to go home. But what she, instead what she does is walk up to him, say her lines, then turn around and walk back in the opposite direction. Yeah. So why the fuck was she even talking to him? And then, I think my favourite one though is the one where Um old Ben goes back to the barons and there's a bunch of kids chasing a fat kid. Yeah. And he falls over and then he just lays there. Ah, 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 waiting for the actor to walk out. He's like, well, I can't move. So I've just got to wait but for him that- to walk. Like, there's a lot of times where the camera like has to wait for people to walk into frame. Yeah. Because they haven't.
0: They haven't. There is no no real direction of this. No, not really. <laughs>
1: Apart, that's not what I mean. What's annoying is like all that is so shoddily done and like poorly thought out. And then when they get to the scenes like the, the Pennywise stuff, yeah, and it's all really well done. Like the you know the scene in the bathroom with Bev, yeah, Ben, uh, no, no, Bev, oh I, Bev's bathroom, yeah, the bit where yeah where the balloon comes out of the yeah. and stuff like that, and it's all like interesting and visual and yeah. And all the again the other scene with Bev that I think was done really well was the scene with the old lady. Which comes back. That was actually done really really well. So, like, when they've got a little bit of horror stuff to play with, they do it really well because clearly that's what they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And all the sort of mundane stuff, they just don't bother putting any time or effort into. And it's it's a shame because it it lets it down because.
0: Because that's where the magic is in the the book. Yeah,
1: the strength of this story isn't necessarily in the horror elements, it's in the characters and in the drama elements of it. And they that's like superfluous to this. They don't, they're not Mm -hmm. interested in it.
0: They just want to get to the horror stuff. Yeah. And, and when you get to the end of the book and you sort of, you look back over the journey of everything that's happened and you just sort of have this, not, not relief or anything, but this settlement that you get Mm. and you're like, okay, I've seen where everybody's gone through. I've seen their struggles. I've seen how they've gotten from here to here. I've seen where this has happened and this has happened and this has happened. But none of that exists in this like, because it, it is just, it's just point to point to point to point. Yeah, that like they put in there because they've needed to make it. Similarly to what I've said before, like about some of the Tarantino stuff, they're like, "We've got three hours and five minutes, fill it."
1: Yeah, and it's a shame because that, like, some of the changes and things they do from the book, even the ones that I'm aware of, having not even finished the book yet, but like they. They're skipping over some of that subtext and some of that meaty stuff that you could delve yeah. into. So, like, I think about both with Bev and with um, Eddie. They end up marrying or getting with people who are very similar to, yeah. in Eddie's case, his mother, and in Bev's case, similar to her father. He's a yeah. man who, be, and they do. There's the like a very brief mention of that. She says, "I, married, I fell in love with a man who's exactly like my father." Yeah. But Eddie, on the other hand, they completely write it in a completely different way. So instead, he's still living with his mother when he's forty yeah and it's just like, well, you've missed the point there's there's a whole thematic thing about like this Oedipus complex, and you end up marrying people who are just like your parents mm-hmm. and that is a whole point that's I assume is going to be a major issue in the book that's explored in a bit more detail to yeah. a certain extent anyway, yeah. within their you know internal monologues
0: and like, their this, own like... <laughs> processes are like things are addressed, and like the way that you look at something like like the way that Audra is described in the book. Mm. Is so close to how Beverly is, yeah, to the point that people are like, "Oh, well, Bill's got a type," sort of thing, yeah. And it's these things that are addressed, but again, in this, like, Audra is entirely different woman. She's there's no resemblance whatsoever to an all. No, she's <laughs> no, she's, and and she's, she's no, just this wailing true of a Bill. Woman what's going and...
1: on, Bill? Bill, why are you stuttering, Bill? I, 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 I... Don't know. I used to stutter as I a kid. F-
0: f- forgot. All right.
1: How could I forget you, 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 Georgie?
0: But that's and again, that's like one of my favourite parts of the book. Yeah, is this the is the realisation? In, in that, it's that scene that you're about to get to in the book, where everybody's in the Chinese restaurant when things start to pull together a little bit more. Yeah. You start to get a few more answers about things, and you like a few more threads sort of pulled at and drawn in a little closer. And you start to think, okay, I see. I'm starting to see what's happening here. And in the book, it gets way more bizarre than you can possibly believe at this point. But at the same time, it all kind of fits. Yeah. And when you get to the end point of where these all lead. You're like okay yeah this is fucked. Yeah. Like this is just fucking bananas.
1: Yeah, and I feel like from what I understand and the way it's written is that the the sort of the battles and the things they go through are a lot more like cerebral and like like it's all going on in your head and it's all going to be a bit more yeah. like freaky whereas with this they they have to make it tangible and real so they end up making things like the monster at the end. At the yeah. end they just fight a big monster. Yeah. And that's it. So I feel like, yeah, it's stuff like that. They they can't, they don't have the capacity to do it on screen in the way. And it's not as visceral, again, as the 2017 version. No. Like in 2017, like it's, it just shows how horror has sort of changed, I guess. Yeah. Is that it's a lot more visceral and real and like and you see shit happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas with this is like, it's all, it's projected it's in your mind. It's the Jaws paradigm. It's yeah. the, well, yeah, what you can imagine is far more scary than. Yep. And to a certain extent, you know, there's not, I wouldn't say that either one is better necessarily in terms of our a, a, a approach to horror, but the 2017 version is a better version of this story. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's a
0: far better version. Like, and especially in the way that it's been uh, adapted, it is far, far superior in the 2017. Because it does take out a lot of, like, the junk. It does take out, yeah, in, and sadly. It does take out a lot of the development, mm. but it's been... Andy Machete, mm. I think it's... i probably crucified his name, but... Um, has, like, made this to be, like, this really powerful, like, young adult film. Yeah. Or this you know, sort of coming-of-age drama that is sort of framed with this monstrous clown that yeah. tends to be terrorizing the town yeah which is what it was always intended to be
1: yeah. that's the, that's closer to the spirit of what the book was meant to be than this trend, you know um 1990
0: version yeah it's uh, yeah and it's again like running the risk of like spoiling things which I don't want to do because I don't want to spoil what happens in it chapter 2 mm. which we'll get to when the f- when that film comes out but there are Things that literally happen, page for page, word for word, in the TV miniseries, that don't happen in the 2017 one, mm. but it's no weaker because of it. No, and like the the scene with like Eddie's. Uh, I go back to Eddie again because he's one of the more front of house characters in this. Mm. What does what does he see? Is it that no, Stan that saw the mummy? What does Eddie see? It was Richie leper. that saw the he word. He's a leper. But did he see that in the mini series? No. Because he no, sees, The, the it, leper is in both the 2017 and... No, the in,
1: the, in the miniseries, Eddie is the one in the shower.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Which is...
1: That's completely made up, that scene. That's completely new. It's completely new, but it's also one of the best scenes of this TV series. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? It's one of those weird things where, like, that it's it's such a good central core idea that you don't necessarily have to be... word for word faithful to the book. Mm. It's like this idea of this clown terrorizing children and making them scared. Like, you can do more or less whatever you want with that. The fact that it's not exactly. It's the same with, like, Mike. Again, in neither version do we see a version where he's terrorized by a giant bird. No, but But that's what happens in the book. Doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: It doesn't matter. In the 2017 version, that Mike is sort of terrorized by the fire. Yeah. So. That's the only thing that I can think of. But they don't mention the bird, which is, I think is valid because yeah. it would be incredibly difficult to pull that off. Yeah, it, it, it's
1: too big and over the top and yeah. silly. And they get some silly stuff in here, like the werewolf bit, yeah. which is from the book, to be fair, to a certain extent. Although they do change it up. But a werewolf done on a ninety ninety TV budget doesn't look great, no. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, the, I was a teenage werewolf. fright night feature didn't work didn't land just comes across as silly and then came they all come across as as, well and in fact as supposes because that's exactly what it is like cheap tv knockoff of like nightmare on elm street yeah yeah which is sadly like i think what the legacy was up until 2017
1: yeah well i don't know i think that yeah like like I said, doing my sort of research around this, there are there's a documentary being made about this at the mm. moment, which we're going to try and get a hold of. But there is a sort of cult, is a bit of a cult following for this version mm. of it, and there always will be. I think a lot of that is to do with Tim Curry and his performance, and yeah. there'll be a generation of kids who, like you, were completely fucking traumatized by yeah, it. On, so go I go on, think yeah. that's the legacy of it. That's the thing that people remember. People don't remember the two and a half hours of bullshit <laughs> that we've sat through this week. So what we're telling you is. Probably don't, don't bother. Don't bother. Maybe watch uh, like the best of Pennywise on YouTube or something. Like the, there's like a couple of those great scenes. The, yeah, the drain scene, uh, the scene in the showers. I think the scene with Pennywise in the um, in the library mm-hmm. with Richie is great. Um, and yeah, those are the best bits. But you don't need to sit and watch three hours worth of no.
0: Don't do it yourself.
1: Bad, bad acting. We did it, so you don't have to.
0: Mm-hmm. So.
1: You can probably Get skip the
0: audiobook and spend 36 hours listening to that. Yep. Do that. That's um, far, far better than watching three hours of this shit.
1: Absolutely. Um, and in the meantime, so we're going to move on next week and talk about what we, I think we've both already considered to be the superior version. Yeah. The 2017 it, mm-hmm. um, and it is just it chapter one, just with the kids, a different way of telling this story, but I think probably a better way, but we'll talk about that next
0: week. Yeah, Definitely. Um, I think that kind of wraps it up. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, with let us know what you feel about it. I mean, we're on the socials with the Omcast Pod yeah. uh, on. Well, so the Omcast Pod at gmail.com if you want to drop yeah. us a line, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter mm-hmm. at the Omcast. Go on there, give us a like, give us a share. If yeah. there's anyone out there that you know would think would would appreciate this. You know, let them know and get yeah. them to download it and give us a listen. So, one thing I would say is, if you agree with me <laughs> and think that um, you, you know clowns are the worst, um, vote for my opinion by giving us five stars on iTunes. And Dom,
1: if you agree with me and feel like this is boring as fuck, but I can't wait for the clown to turn up again. When's the clown? Send in the clowns. <laughs> Send yeah. in the clowns. Those laffy, daffy Clouds. It's the Krusty Comeback Special.
0: Don't ever send in
1: clowns. <laughs> um, <laughs> so everyone. Yeah, if you agree with me, then give us five stars on iTunes as
0: well. Um, we'll be able to figure out which yeah, ones which. we can see that. We can see it through the miracle of science and internet technology, mm. which one that you'd prefer. Yeah, And just give us a review as well if you want. Yeah, Let us know what you think. Give us a comment in there if you want to. See. We can see them all. Uh, we know where you all live, so it's fine alright thanks guys I'll see you next week bye. bye yeah seriously fuck this fucking film man <laughs> absolutely fucking it his <sighs> stupid fucking face oh uh, they are oh yes Georgie they float they all float down here it's
1: fucked like, don't you want it don't you want it don't you want it I love the fact that he's got like a a New York accent
0: a weird, weird, weird like, oh hey, buddy, how's
1: it going? Like, it's fucked. Like, do you have Prince Albert in a can? You do, well, you better let him out. love <laughs> no matter what Tim Curry's in, he does the Tim Curry laugh. Oh, he's, <laughs>
0: he's fucking great. Though. <laughs> but yeah, fuck this film. Hmm. Like, I'm never ever watching it again, and it's. Even this was too soon after fucking 30 years or whatever it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's (laughs) fucked. Like, seriously. I had to explain to people, like, this is the genesis of my phobia of clowns. I had to watch it for the sake of our readers.
1: (laughs) Uh, Do you ever buy a house and then you have termites? And then you have to pay for your own termite people to come around. And then they come around and they just start to come in and do two giant mud pies in your thing. <laughs> the old snake. Then, the then they go in there together and you're like, what the hell's going on? And then they then they call you and say, help, help, my friend's foot is stuck in the bar- in the toilet. And then it turns out you get in there and he takes his foot out. It wasn't stuck at all. And then they just laugh at you. And then they just go running around the house and jumping on the sofa. And you try and join in. And they shout
0: turbo time? They, they
1: shout turbo time. And then you try and join in and they say, no, you're not part of the turbo team. And you can't join in. Does that have happened to you? Call me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh fucking hell. (laughs) Oh mate, like I can't can't fucking deal with it. Um anyway, let's do a podcast. Yeah.